Bonner, a more distinguished guest than you may have been invited by him, and the host who invited both of you may approach you and say, give your place to this man. And then you would proceed with embarrassment to take the lowest place. Rather, when you are invited, go and take the lowest place so that when the host comes to you, he may say, my friend, move up to a higher position. Then you will enjoy the esteem of your companions at the table. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he said to the host who invited him, when you hold a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors in case they may invite you back and you have your repayment. Rather, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. Every once in a while, Jesus would, uh, well, he'd tell his parables, but every once in a while there'd be a parable where he seems to be um, congratulating somebody who's kind of wicked. For example, I think we heard it just a few weeks ago about the steward who was uh, in charge of all of the affairs of the master and distributing things and collecting debts and all of that, but the steward was squandering uh, his master's possessions, the food and stuff. And, and so when the master heard about it, he got upset and he said, uh, draw up your accounts because you're leaving. So this steward went about, and let's say these were three debtors here. I, I owed, uh, this one owed me money for grain, this one for some sheep that I sold, and this one for, uh, I don't know, some um, whatever. So uh, I go and say, how much do you owe? And, and she says to me, well, I owe 100 uh, shillings or whatever. Well, why don't you make out a check for 80 instead and just give that to me? So she gets a discount, she gets a break, and she pays up right away. And each one does it. Give a little discount, and I give the money, and I take it to the master, and I say, here, I, I got this for you from your purchases and for the people that asked, you know, who offered to pay you for your services. And so the master, he says, this steward who's getting fired by the master has made friends with these people, hoping that one of them may take him in. If he did them a favor, I scratch your back, why don't you scratch my back because my master's getting rid of me. And Jesus says, how clever this steward. And he said, would, would that the people of the kingdom were as clever about the kingdom as he is about worldly affairs. So there's an example of Jesus uh, using a, a, a kind of a strange, a sneaky, conniving steward to complimenting him for his cleverness. Put that over there for a second. Now, approaching the Word of God today, uh, as often as the case, if you look around a little bit, you can find a word or two that kind of sum up the whole thing. But today, we get that word given to us in the first line of the first reading. And the word is humble. Humble. And the whole liturgy, all the readings, are about humbleness. Not being humbled, but being humble. And the difference is this. Um, being humbled 
means to be put down. It is to be maybe shamed or to be dumped at the bottom of the pile by others. Uh, and we can get humbled by life. Some people feel humbled, humbled by poverty. For example, many of the homeless that are in a little tent on the cement under the freeway, I would think that would be a very humbling experience, that, that they would be humbled. Because I bet they say to themselves, I know what people think when they look at me. That's being humbled. There's no beauty in that. And there's no gospelness about that. But what Jesus is holding up and the scriptures are holding up is about being humble, which is a choice on our part to be humble. And I remember in first and second grade, the sisters at St. Charles told us all, and I remember as a very little kid, that humility or, or being humble is being truthful. Uh, but it's also recognizing that much of what we have is a gift. We didn't, like our intelligence, we didn't, we didn't make ourselves be intelligent. We were given the gift. If somebody has an incredible talent at dancing or music um, or poetry, it's not because they thought it up. They were given the gift and they responded to the gift and used it and developed it. But you have to have the gift. You're not a great musician or composer just because you want to be. You have to have some kind of a gift there. So we were told this. Of course this is not humble if somebody is, let's say, the smartest person in their class, that nobody in this school has had higher scores than this student. I'll say me, because it is so untrue, okay? So Perry has the highest scores, and I know it. I know what the scores have been for the last 10 years. So somebody comes up to me and says, Perry, you're so smart, you're just amazing. I say, oh yes, I know, of course I am. Nobody has higher scores, I, I have the highest record, and, and I, you must all love me because I'm so smart. That is proud and conceited and disgusting <laughs> and not very lovable. Uh, but it is also not humble to do this, for somebody to come up and say, you are the smartest person Perry, you, you, you've got the highest scores of anybody ever in this school. And I said, oh, no, no, I'm not really that intelligent. I, I try, but I'm, I'm the same as everyone else. It's a lie. The proof is in the pudding. I know I have the highest scores. So humbleness is that trait inside where you really appreciate the truth. Yes, I am smart, very smart, but I know it's a gift. And I'm so grateful for it. I develop it the best I can. I want to use it, this great gift. I want to use it to the best. But I'm not great because I have the gift. Greatness has been shared with me, and I've responded. Now, this is held up as a very beautiful gift, even a gift of the kingdom. And all the readings say it. The second reading, I think, uh, appreciates it. You know, I, I heard the reading differently after having read it all week long and, and this morning and last night preaching at it. But I thought of William Shatner, uh, you know, who used to be not, not Star Wars. What was the program? Star Trek. Thank you. Star Trek. And you know he went uh, up in outer space, really, this time. Not like on a show uh, with all the tricks and gimmicks of, of um, you know, TV. 
He actually went up in one of those spacecrafts and hovered for, I don't know how long, 20 minutes, whatever, and came back. And what did he do when he got back on Earth? He came on Earth and they went up to interview him. What happened? What did he do? He cried. He cried. He who had been on countless shows about space and, and it was all imaginary and it was all done by films and tricks, but he had all the language, he had all the pictures, he had all the knowledge, he had all that stuff, but he experienced it. He cried. He cried. Because, like that second reading, he saw the greatness of God on the holy mountain surrounded by millions of angels. Not literally. But he saw God's greatness in his creation. And he was totally moved in all humility. So, Jesus comes along now. And he's at a big feast. And there's the host, the Pharisees, a lot of money, a lot of education, very important, invites all these people. And they're all watching Jesus, observing him, because they know he's going to teach. They know he's going to say something. He always does. What's he going to say? He's at this important dinner. What's he going to say? So Jesus, observing them, observing him, tells him a parable. He says, I got a parable for you. You just heard it. But, but to dramatize it, in comes this important person. Lucas, I'm going to use you, okay? Lucas is very important, our server. Uh, and, and he is. Thank you for serving. But Lucas... He, <laughs> Lucas comes to this dinner, and Lucas thinks, I am so important. Everybody should know how important I am. So I see the noble chair up there for the first and most important guest. Obviously, obviously, it's for me. And he plants himself. And then the host, a few minutes later, sees a very important person coming in. It's like the difference between the archbishop and the pope. The archbishop is sitting here, but the pope comes in, and he says, I'm sorry, you're going to have to move. Somebody more important has come in. How embarrassing, Jesus says. How embarrassing. You were in the highest seat which you took to impress everyone, and now you get put in the lowest seat. He says, isn't this craftier, more conniving, smarter, like the steward who collected portions of the debts and got praise and, and, and took care of his future? He says, this is more clever. You come in... And you know that you're important, but you say, hmm, I know what I'll do. Hello. I'll sit in the lowest seat because I know what's going to happen. The host is going to come and move me up, maybe even to the highest seat. So he comes in and says, um, I'll turn it to me, Lucas, now. I don't want to stay on you, but says to me, Perry, um, what are you doing in this lowest seat? You're important. You have to go to the, the, the top seat. <gasps> really? Me? Oh, oh, how embarrassing. Okay, if you say so. Hello, everyone. Now, just don't notice anything, but I'm going to the best seat because I'm the most important person here. Excuse me. Oh, thank you, thank you. Th humility? I don't think so. False humility. But Jesus says, Jesus is pointing to that. Isn't that more clever? What, rather than be embarrassed and move to the low seat, go to the low seat and get moved to the high seat, and then everybody will be praising you. Smart. But, typical Jesus, that really wasn't his point. That was a point along the way to make the point. Because what he really wanted to get into once again was kingdom living. Kingdom living. 
He calls it the resurrection of life. But it's, it's all the same. And, and just to paint the picture first, he's not talking about dying and going to heaven. He's talking about how it's heaven all the way to heaven. I already gave you an example at this liturgy about hell all the way to hell. I don't know what that problem of that man, is he mentally ill or on drugs or a combination of both or just was so filled with hate or just cracked, had psychotic breakdown or whatever, but to light people's homes on fire and then when they're running to escape the flames, killing them? What is this? That's hell all the way to hell. That's living hell. But living the kingdom, living the resurrected life, it's not about when we die. It's about right now. And Jesus is always interested in, get it. It's urgent. Get it right now. So he says, after having told this parable to everybody, he turns to the host now and says directly to him in front of everybody, the man who invited Jesus, the man who invited everybody, the man who put out the money for this great feast. And he says to him, when you invite people to a feast. Don't invite your brothers and sisters, your neighbors, wealthy people, people who can pay you back. Because that, that's what your reward is. You, you're looking to pay back. Now, you want to be kingdom people? Invite the poor, the lame, the blind, the handicapped, people who cannot return the favor. And he says, then your repayment will be in the kingdom. But the truth is the kingdom is right now. You know, every once in a while, there's someone in this parish who does it or has done it on Thanksgiving before, maybe even in place of, but before they have the Thanksgiving dinner for the family, they make some turkeys and give it to the poor. They feed the poor on Thanksgiving Day. And why do they do it? I'd say it's precisely for this gospel reason today. They know there's life in that. There's blessing in generosity. There's blessing in goodness and kindness and, and loving others. There's blessing. And just to do it, you already know you got your reward. You're, you're experiencing it as you're giving it away. Uh, if you want to be loved, love others. If you want to be forgiven, forgive others. If you want life, live it and live it to the full. So Jesus comes along today, and, and it, it really is, it's not Alice in Wonderland, upside down, inside out. Uh, it sounds like it. But he's saying by living generosity and by giving to those who can't repay you, you will discover what real humility is, what real living is, and you will find that gift of life.